Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, Steeler Nation. It's your boy, Daniel J. How's it going? I hope you had a fantastic Thanksgiving. So happy belated Thanksgiving. I'm your boy, Daniel J. This is Behind the Steel Curtain. This is State of the Steelers, where we address some of the uh, tough questions and answers about this team. And today's title of the show is It's One Step Forward and Two Steps Backwards. When it comes to this team, ah, what a frustrating game this past week was against the uh, Cincinnati Bengals as the Pittsburgh Steelers fall to three and seven and fall to the Cincinnati Bengals at home in Akershore Stadium, 30 to 37. In a game where it appeared they were taking another step forward. You know, you go back to the game before or prior to and uh, against the New Orleans Saints, and, you know, the second half is kind of where things sort of turned around in that game. And then you see the first half of this game, and you start to think, okay, you know what? They're starting to get a roll. They're starting to do something. And they just completely fall flat on their face. In the second half, it's 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 upsetting. It's frustrating, and I can imagine as Steeler as a, as a Steeler uh, fan base, everybody's upset right now. Everybody's frustrated. The Steelers are in a position that I mean, probably many of us can can remember. Um, you know, being three and seven at this point of, of the year. I mean, you know, here's a little dose of reality. There's only one team in the NFL that has a worse schedule or worse record, I'm sorry, than the Pittsburgh Steelers, and that's the Houston Texans. Every other team either is tied with or has a better team or a better record than the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's that's tough. That is this is uncharted territory for for many of us, you know, I, I became a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers a long time ago. Um, early 90s, 92 is probably first couple of games I remember. And so there was some bad teams there with with Cordell, with, you know, Mike Tomzak, with even Tom uh, – Tommy Gunn, Maddox, right before the Pittsburgh Steelers acquired Ben Roethlisberger. The Steelers won 6-10 and 10 that year. But even in those games that I ever feel, or in those seasons that I feel, maybe I was just too young to, to realize, but that I feel this disappointed, you know, like this defeated. 
the offensively, this team is just going slow. You know, Mike Tomlin had his press conference earlier this week and in his press conference, you know, he was asked about the development of Kenny Pickett in the offense. And he says he likes what he sees. It's moving in the right direction. He just, you know, would hope that it would be moving quicker. And and, and I think that goes right across the board when it comes to the offense. You know, there's some splash here and there, you know, whether it's from the quarterback, the receivers, uh, the the running back tandem, which is now probably going to be deduced down to just Najee with Jalen Warren suffering a, um, a hamstring injury. And so, you know, you, you look at that, you see the splashes, you see the possibilities, but then it's like they take two steps back. Like up to this point, up to this season, I have yet to see the Pittsburgh Steelers offensively play a full game. You know, I've seen them do well in quarters and a half, but I've yet to see them play a full game. You know, a lot of people look at this game and say um, the defense, you know, put up 37, you know, points. And we'll, we'll talk about the defense's struggles and, and whatnot here, in a, you know, in the second half. But what didn't help, is when you look at offensively, you know, the first three, and you can literally say four possessions, were three and out. You know, the fourth possession out, coming out of the half um, was off of an interception from T.J. Watt, which was remarkable, by the way. And, and it put the Pittsburgh Steelers in scoring position. And, you know, he basically just handed the ball for a field goal. But the possessions prior to that were three and out, three and out, three and out. That's just unacceptable. I mean, you, you look at the uh, at the drives in the second half, only one drive was over six plays offensively, not including the punt. One drive over six plays, and that was the final drive with two minutes and um, 33 seconds or something like that remaining. That started, you know, that drive started around the four-minute mark, I mean. It was a two-minute and 33-second drive. You know, the game was basically out of hand at that point. It led to, uh, you know, an onside attempt with less than a minute on the clock. And no timeouts. It, it, it was the, the defense weren't wasn't playing the same. And so when you look at this game at, at whole and in reality, you look at the 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 touchdown drive that they had while the defense was playing prevent defense. You look at the three points that they got from the uh, T.J. Watt interception, and you tell you you think to yourself, well, man, that's ten points right there. You know, this team really only put up 20 points yet again when it comes to um, competitive football. It sure does seem that way to me. I mean, I know that, you know, I I, I can be the biggest homer and and whatnot and, and see the Steelers winning every single game. 
But at a certain point, when the team is playing this bad, some some reality has been setting in with me. I I have been so so disgusted with this team offensively. It, it it's insane. They just cannot play a full game. They can't. Now I'm not on the on the uh, on the narrative of firing a coordinator or a coaching staff during the season. I feel that to be desperate, and I don't think that's going to help develop a young team or that would help the development of a young team um, or their confidence. I mean, you look across the board, you know, from the quarterback being a rookie to the uh, the receiver that's been targeted the most by that quarterback being George Pickens as a rookie. Uh, yeah, Najee Harris in his second year, Pat Fryermuth in his second year. The interior offensive line, Daniels and Mason Cole, are the first year with the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, changing and switching out somebody mid mid season or in the middle of the season to me sounds desperate. It's not a move the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to move or make, and I think it would actually make things probably a little bit worse. You know, I, I get I get everybody's upset because of, for instance, the the statements that Pratt made from the Cincinnati Bengals, stating that basically they knew what the Steelers were going to do. But it's an AFC North game. You know, it's an AFC North game. The It's a division game. Teams and divisions know each other fairly well. You know, Moan, Ramon Foster, he uh, talks about on his show often that um, when they played certain teams, there were certain things that they knew they were going to do, and they couldn't stop it. Mike Tomlin alluded to that when he said, yeah, they say those type of things when they're winning, but they won't say it. When they're losing, meaning they're not going to tell the media they knew what the Steelers were doing in a loss because that would admit to them knowing what the Steelers were doing and weren't able to stop it. Which brings my next point. I cannot stand the narrative of, you know, we need to trick the opposition or finesse them in that. I, I, I don't, I think that's a weak mindset. I prefer the, um, physical, the, the, the tough, the, they, they can know what we're doing, but they can't stop us mentality. And I appreciated the fact that the uh, head coach of this team is, you know, also following in that, in that narrative as well. You know, I, I realize that there's, there's a lot of, uh, contradiction out there when it comes to or hypocrisy when it comes to the complaints of the Steelers. Like, for instance, uh, <laughs> you can't complain that there's no imagination and and creativity and then get mad when there's a flea flicker that doesn't work. That's Those are reactionary outcome-based type of reactions, and I think that those are funny. I think they're funny. But when it comes to this team, I don't think that – Firing a coordinator mid-season or in the middle of the season's the smartest idea. No, after this season, I, I could see a change. I definitely could. Um, you know, I'm I'm reminded by the fact that Todd Haley in his second year got a lot of got a lot of flack. You know, because of his dink and dunk, because of his screens, because of all those things. And and, and the thing is, <clears throat> Todd Haley his first year was a uh, non 
playoff year with a Hall of Fame quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger, who had already gone to three Super Bowls and won two. They didn't make the playoffs the first year, nor the second year. They also had A.B. and Le'Veon Bell in that second year. And so, um, you know, you look at what the expectation is based on the talent, and yet the Steelers stuck with the offensive coordinator who was trying to change a style of play to extend the longevity of the quarterback. And ended up working out pretty good, in my opinion. You know, the Steelers were one of the, you know, in the 20, you know, 15, 16, 17, were one of the prolific offenses in the NFL. Led by that same offensive coordinator that everybody wanted to get rid of. Not saying that Matt Canada is going to turn it around. However, he did take this team to the playoffs last year with an aged Ben Roethlisberger. It's not saying there's a comparison in style or anything else other than the fact that perhaps we should, you know, establish a little bit of patience. You know, when you look at last year's offense, that really wasn't Matt Canada's offense. That was Ben Roethlisberger's offense. You know, there's reasons why Matt Canada's offense looked very similar to Randy Feetner's offense. Because it was Ben Roethlisberger's offense. Now, even if it was Matt Canada's offense, how much of Matt Canada's offense do you think is um, has a lot of, you know, requires quarterback mobility? whether it's an RPO where the uh, running option could be the quarterback running. You look at the running plays and the sneaks that Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky have done to this point, the draws, the touchdowns that Kenny Pickett has on the ground. Those are all plays that wouldn't be designed for Ben Roethlisberger. So at that point, you can already tell that last year wasn't the full thing. Now you look at this year, you have – You know, one quarterback who was new to this team, new to the players, and Mitch Trubisky, coming in, having to learn a whole new team and offense and build chemistry. And then that get uprooted five games in for a quarterback that on an offense that probably wasn't built to carry that quarterback or that rookie quarterback, you know, with the growing pains that comes with that. And so... You know, you look at those type of scenarios and and, and you want to blame the one guy who's just, you know, had to, you know, create an offense based on the talents of the previous QB and then get uprooted in his first full year as an offensive coordinator, you know, pushing in his his offense here. It's I can understand how frustrating it is. And like Mike Tomlin said, when it came to this portion of the Cincinnati Bengals knowing what the Steelers were, were going to do, it, it comes down to execution. You know, they knew what the Bengals were going to do. The Bengals were repetitive, and yet the Steelers had an, uh, not the greatest of time or ease in stopping the Cincinnati Bengals. It comes down to sometimes the players on the field making the routine plays routinely and, and you know, sticking to their assignments and playing fundamental football, not creating 
penalties or or just dumb mistakes that are drive killers, whether it's penalties, drop passes, not being in the right spot, missed assignments, not lining up in the correct place, um, two people moving in motion before the snap, things of that nature. They need to clear that up. It's a team game, and as a team offensively, um, they're stinking it up right now. But there is promise. There is there is movement going in the right direction. You look at the Pittsburgh Steelers in this game, they had the longest rushing touchdown of 19 yards by Najee Harris and the longest passing touchdown of the year with the uh, Pickett to Pickens connection for 24 yards. So it wasn't a lateral um, game, in my opinion, when you look at the Saints to um, the this recent game against the Bengals as far as what the team was able to do offensively. You know, that was one of the issues that was going into the Saints game is up to that point, you know, the offense was kind of going backwards. They were starting to regress a little bit. We needed to see a little bit of progression. We saw that in the Saints game. There was a little bit of progression compared to what they had put up and done, in, you know, the games prior to the dra- uh, prior to the uh, bye week. Now we needed to see another step forward, and we did. We saw them pass the ball. They got a touchdown outside of the red zone. They had their longest passing touchdown. They had their longest rushing touchdown. So hopefully they can continue that 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 trend and maybe potentially you know accelerate it a little bit and and get multiple touchdowns through the air and perhaps maybe even play a full game. They have a tough battle this upcoming uh, Monday night against the uh, Indianapolis Colts, where everybody's looking at the um, you know the coaching situation and thinking that ah Steelers should get this game. And Colts have a very good defense that you know that team beat the Kansas City Chiefs this year and, and could have beaten the Eagles. Either way, they held the Eagles offense that the Steelers couldn't hold down uh, to under 20 points. And um, that could be some – that could lead to some issues for this offense leading into the next game. But we'll talk about the defense and predictions and what the Steelers need to do in the second half of this show. So don't go anywhere. We got a word from our sponsors and we'll be right back. Check it out. You made it to the second half where we talk about a little bit of defense. We're going to talk about predictions before I go forward. Just kind of want to remind you guys to check out behindsteelcurtain.com, your one-stop shop for Pittsburgh Steelers news and coverage. Check out the uh, latest news and articles that have been put up. Don't forget also behind the steel curtain is on YouTube where you find a live show pretty much every single day, except for Saturdays. You know, some shows, uh, sometimes there's two shows in a day. Don't want to miss it. Go find them on YouTube and subscribe. Don't forget to give us a five-star rating here if you're listening to us on Apple, Google, or wherever you are tuning in from. 
But with that being said, let's get into the uh, second half of this show. Now, before we get into the defense, I do want to kind of talk about one other thing that was brought up, and that was um, good old Gary Dulac. He uh, <laughs> he said that uh, he thinks that the Steelers are making a mistake by not benching rookie quarterback Kenny Pickett. Uh, I think that's that's a bad take. I mean, at this point, like I mentioned before, you're three and seven. Uh, Mitch Trubisky wasn't you know, developing or moving this offense at a, at a faster pace than, you know, what Kenny Pickett is probably doing at this point. Um, you know, do you get probably maybe a win or two more if uh, Trubisky's in there? Maybe. But I don't think you're in contention. And I don't think at this point, by not putting him in in week 12 or benching him in week 12, when there's one team that is, uh, there's only one team that has a worse record than you. Uh, I think that's a bad take. You know, you, you you are where you are. You need to see if this uh, if the kid can develop, if he can develop to the pace or in the uh, to the standard in which you have set out and planned for him, and at at certain points in which you know the career that you put path you put forward. Um. So with that being said. I don't think that even if the Steelers go on a little bit of a run here, majority of the teams the Steelers have lost to are AFC teams. You know, they 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 lost completely to the AFC East. They lost to um, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Cleveland Browns. It's it, there's not going to be very many tiebreakers that the Steelers are going to be winning. And so, with that being said, they know they don't. Not only do they need to catch up, but they have to pass a lot of these teams. And <laughs> you know, it, it's going to be a, it's it's a it's going to be a difficult task. And with that being said, I don't think you pull, you pull the rookie quarterback at this point. You you got to see what you have. You develop him. You get the experience. You get. You hope that. You know, it starts to click, things starts to turn around, and you get some motivation going into next season. You find out, um, you know, where your your holes are because at this point, you know, the Steelers are looking at potentially three picks in the top 40 next year's draft. And if they're really, really high and, you know, believe in Kenny Pickett and don't want to get a quarterback in a, you know, a uh, – class that is a you know supposedly i'm not big into college so i'm not too familiar but you know the uh the professionals say that it's uh, a high quarterback class and so potentially you might be able to get some more picks if you're that high in the draft by moving back uh, something that colbert wasn't accustomed to doing but that doesn't mean that omar khan ain't and so let's just say the Steelers are picking at like five or six and they move to 12 or or something like that. They can pick up, you know, even more picks or potential capital to to get a uh, uh, a better team or and to fill those holes to make a to become a contender sooner than later. You know, you have to find out what you have in them if. You know, and I'm not saying that, you know, Kenny 
Pickett's going to be a bust or he's shown any of those things. But if he completely falls flat and, you know, you're in the top three, you may have to have that conversation of, you know, is Kenny Pickett that guy or is there a possibility based on opportunity, meaning that, you know, if you use these picks and um, get some key players in key positions and you end up, you know, win a few games more, but, you know, sit around nine, ten, ten wins a year, uh, you may not be in a position to get another quarterback again. So that, those are going to be questions that can only be answered with the play of Kenny Pickett and this offense going the rest of the season. You know, you also want to find out how this duo between Kenny Pickett and, and Matt Kennedy, if it can develop into something, if it can work. Because if, you know, that's the other thing. If if it don't work out, you know, you, you want to look at this season. This is Kenny Pickett is the future. You want to see if they're able to click. If not, then perhaps maybe you look at Matt Canada and getting another offensive coordinator and offensive staff um, and try to implement a different strategy. Just remember, there's probably going to be some growing pains with that too. But hopefully the the development of that will be quicker and those pains will be shorter. But I wanted to touch on that. I think that's a bad take. Uh, you got to keep Kenny in the rest of the year. You got to see what you got in the kid. And so let's talk about the defense real quick. <laughs> Since I kind of rambled on a little bit about that. Defense allowed 37 points, and they're taking a lot of heat for this game. And, you know, it's kind of go in a circle, full circle about, you know, one step forward, two steps back. You had the Steelers defensive backs playing fantastic against the Saints and Andy Dalton. Maybe that's why it was Andy Dalton. Um, Arthur Mollett had a huge breakup against Chris, uh, uh, against Olave. And, in this game against the Bengals, he just got tortured. He got torched, I'm sorry. He just got torched all across the field by Higgins and, and whoever. And so, you know, this secondary just kind of took another step back. But there's some context that needs to be added to this. You know, you're looking at T.J. Watt uh, coming back. This is a second game coming back off the pictorial injury. You know, it's it's going to take some time before he gets back to himself and gets back into game shape. Um, you know, he's going to get better. You know, you could see that um, Malik Reed and um, number 48, can't think of his name off the top of my head right now. Uh, they were in the game quite a bit. You know, you look at the fact that the offense in that second half just completely choked, couldn't maintain the possession of the ball until the end, end points of the game. The defense gives them a uh, gives them a present, a gift in Bengal territory and, and can't do anything with it. It's just, you know, it's frustrating. And so the defense was tired. They, you know, this was the same situation that happened week one. You know, the defense was out there for 100 snaps and, you know, there was some some things resulted out of that. You know, you had the injury to TJ Watt. You had a lot of other injuries and, and um, you know, this, the defense was worn out and tired and it showed in the next couple of games, you know, the offense not doing their part does have an effect. But with that being said, 
You know, they're not out of blame. Like I mentioned before, Arthur Marlette was getting torched. Couldn't stop anybody going deep. They couldn't stop the throw. Joe Burrow had his way, you know, outside of a crazy, crazy T.J. Watt interception. And there was another one in the first half that led to the uh, the field goal. But, you know, for the most part, I mean, you look at the stats there, Joe Burrow had a pretty good day. You know, the Steelers were able to stop them from running the ball, which is usually the the goal when it comes to a Steelers versus Bengals game. The Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be eyeing Joe Mixon and trying to stop him. And, you know, that was the game plan. And even though he went out with a concussion, um, that didn't stop or change the game plan that they, the Steelers – you know, went in there with, and that's been one of the Achilles heel, Achilles heels, in my opinion, from Pittsburgh Steelers, is that they will maintain their game plan regardless of the circumstances or, or what is going on on the field. You know, they go in there with the game plan saying, hey, you know, we're going to stop this person, you know, or this position, such as, like I mentioned right now, Joe Mixon. You know, they don't change it even if Joe's not in there. Or, or somebody else is torching the crap out of the defense. They'll still maintain what they practiced and and preached the entire week. They, if if the opposition is doing something they're not ready for or didn't anticipate, it doesn't end well. But I digress. And so, you know, I think this defense is going to get better. The pass rush is going to get better. I'm concerned about the cornerbacks. I am. You, you know, George Pickens had some comments earlier uh, this week that some people were saying was throwing a little bit of shade towards the defense. Um, Pickens stated that practices at Georgia were harder than the NFL because there was so much talent on the Bulldogs' off uh, defense. Stating that the uh, talent on the Steelers, because he's only been on one NFL team, <laughs> Uh, the talent on the Steelers' defense isn't there. You know, he's not practicing against the defensive line. He's practicing against the secondary, mainly the cornerbacks. I mean, you know, you look at what the Steelers have on the outside. Akilah Weatherspoon has been out with a hamstring for majority of the year. Levi Wallace was was a target earlier this season. He's kind of turned it around a little bit, but still has some limitations and, and is a liability over the top. Um, Cam Sutton, same thing. He's got um, some – he's a fantastic corner, in my opinion, but he he can't cover a speed, a speed receiver. You know, his limitations is the speed aspect of his game. Everything else is fantastic, in my opinion. Um. You know, the Steelers don't have that CB1. They traded for for Will Jackson, and, and that turned into him being on IR and potentially never even suiting up for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And so, uh, you know, Arthur Mollette, he's – he can he, – he flashes in times. He has moments, but – for majority of the time, especially in coverage, he, he is not someone you want to 
you know, trust out there. You, you would rather have Cam Sutton in that position, especially in coverage and potentially have two other cornerbacks out there. You know, I think the plan was potentially having Levi Wallace and Akilah Weatherspoon on the outside and Cam rolling into the inside. An obvious passing down in certain packages just hasn't happened. Um, another thing, and, it's, it, and I know they sound like excuses and to a certain extent that they are, but they are also facts. I mean, if Fitzpatrick had a uh, an appendectomy in, you know, less than a week or just slightly over a week, I'm sorry, eight days prior to the game, uh, you know, most players don't come back playing the same the first game or two. And so I know he's going to play better as well. I'm not saying he had a bad game or anything, but he didn't pop off the screen like he normally does. And so – um, you know, he's going to be better. He's going to be popping off the screen more. Uh, and so I, I have confidence more into this defense because this defense is something that we've seen be good, be great, and, and flash into the um, flash of greatness, especially earlier this season when they came in healthy. And I, and I anticipate as they get healthier, they're going to be playing, uh, they're going to be playing better. And this week against, the Indianapolis Colts. I think the Steelers have a, a great matchup when it comes to uh, offensive, uh, defensively, offensively. Uh, the Colts defense is pretty good, and so. But you know, my prediction of this game since I'm a little bit long in the tooth here um, is I think the uh, Steelers win this game, uh, bounce back. I think that they continue to. We continue that trajectory, that upward climb. I'm, I'm saying the Steelers win. They're playing a good defense. So I'm saying 17 to 9, Pittsburgh Steelers win. I think the Steelers' defense shows up in this game. You know, they're upset. They, they're they fired up. You know, um, I think they're going to come out and win this game. Uh you know, I think in order to do so, they're going to have to minimize the turnovers. There can't be any turnovers. I know Kenny Pickett hasn't thrown an interception in a couple of games. That needs to continue. Uh, this is a, this is a good defense. Special teams is going to have to be key in this game as far as, um, you know, turning the field over or, you know, uh, flipping the field, so to speak, if put in a uh, situation where, you know, we're going to need some big punts. This is an indoor game. So the elements shouldn't be an issue for uh, the punter or the quarterbacks or anything. So um, that's a positive. Uh, but, you know, this is going to be a game where I think the Steelers are going to get their hands on some uh, footballs here and, and potentially give the ball a um, favorable position for the offense. And the Steelers are going to have to capitalize on those. And if they do so, I see the Steelers winning this game 17-9. to nine. I think this defense, uh, you, you look at Matt Ryan, he's not the, you know, a running quarterback by any means. He's a uh, classic pocket quarterback that allows you to not, you know, not have to focus on that one player as much. You don't have to put a spy. You don't have to play 11 on 11 when it comes to that position. And so um, with that being said, I think that the, uh, the Steelers probably are uh, – uh, looking forward to 
not having to worry about a running quarterback in this game. Um, I think the Steelers dominate on defense, and I don't think they, they allow the Indianapolis Colts to score a touchdown. I'm just – we just also have to make sure the Pittsburgh Steelers take care of the ball. If they do so, they'll win 17-9. Well, that's all I got for you today, guys. Um, we'll look forward to this Monday night game. Look forward to the matchup uh, that's coming up and for the Steelers to – you know, move into four and seven and another step, hopefully forward into, you know, respectability. It's a, a long process. You know, the Steelers have, you know, they're on the verge of having their first losing season since 2003. It's frustrating, but it is what it is. We're Steeler fans. We're going to ride with them uh, through the thick and thin until the end. Uh, I will. But with that being said, guys, I'm Daniel J. This is Behind the Steel Curtain and State of the Steelers. Hope you had a fantastic Thanksgiving again. Happy Thanksgiving and looking forward to the Christmas holidays. Y'all be safe out there. Let's go, Steelers. Let's get a win in Indianapolis. Here we go. Peace. Peace.